One of the most popular topics in hypnotherapy and hypnosis is weight loss. Many hypnotists even specialize in weight loss with hypnosis and help countless clients to lead a more healthy and more productive life by losing weight. Now, I'm Axel Hombach. I'm a hypnotist and trainer for self-hypnosis in Cologne, Germany. Right now, I'm sitting here in London together with Dr. John Butler of the HDI, the Hypnotherapy Training International, one of the leading schools of hypnosis and hypnotherapy for analytical hypnosis. Hello, John. Hello, Axel. Hello, listeners. We are right in the middle of our small mini-series of topics why clients come to us. And weight loss is, in a manner of speaking, a heavy topic. And from your point of view, you have now roughly 40 years of experience. What advice would you give for our listeners who probably are starting or even some more advanced listeners how would you suggest what can you do how would you proceed when someone comes to you with weight issues what are the possibilities how effective is it is it more programming is it more analysis what is your stance on that okay axel well my professional experience is that unlike smoking and we know food is everywhere as you you can't give up eating you can give up smoking food presents more challenges for the hypnotherapist and helping the client manage their uh, emotionally based eating and all those temptations and cravings around there foods that are designed to become addictive really all that sugar that's out there in foods and so on so Having said that, if a therapist works or a coach works in depth with the clients, they can have very great success in weight management. Uh, we've run courses, specialized short courses, to transform weight management, and we have transform quit for smoking. Now, with smoking, we very rarely need to go into regression work. Clients would always benefit from it, but well, nearly always would be, would, could benefit from clearing some baggage from the past, but not necessary. For them to give up the smoking. With weight management, there are substantial number of cases where you one ends up doing regression work and regression and reprocessing what we call analytical hypnotherapy. Many of the clients will benefit from that, even require it for long-term success. And there are other cases where the problem is less deep-seated, and programming instructions will often help them sufficiently so they get back in control. So there are certain areas which are in common with smoking and with other uh, dependency issues or addiction issues. We're looking again for pain points, pressure points. What's the motivation behind that comfort eating? Well, if we're looking for comfort, we must be uncomfortable. If the person is using it to manage stress, depression, anxiety, we look at those issues and see how we can help the client with that. So they have a proper adult level way of dealing with their emotional issues. Perhaps teaching them self-hypnosis, teaching them how to relax so they're not using food as a comforter or a means of de-stressing. So the interview 
a subsequent therapy must look carefully into the motivation factors in the case of the person who's overeating. And we're programming them then to eat healthily, eating healthy amounts of food, healthy types of food. We don't take the role of dietitians unless you have a qualification in that area. People need to consult the best source of information, including physicians, dietitians, and so on, nutritionists, specialists, to get good information. There's a lot of confusion out there, so people need to look at that carefully. However, a lot of the time, people are simply, well, at one level, they're overeating. In other words, they're taking a lot of snacking, snacking on foods that aren't so good. And often that's driven by emotional factors. They feel that emotional hunger as opposed to the physical hunger. We may be programming them for that with a specific suggestion that you're now listening to your body's needs, being more in tune with them. And you're eating in accordance with the needs of the body, not because you're bored, some emotional factor, feeling a little bit anxious and stressed. And with a lot of eating, as Dave Ellman said, the overeating that is, it's really an attempt to go back when we felt most safe, most loved, most secure, back being fed as infants, being looked after. We're trying to retrieve that sort of feeling of comfort and satisfaction and feeling safe. Safe Security. with mummy again. Yeah, safe with mummy again. It's very deeply conditioned into it. And we use food. People often use food in everyday life with that in mind. Yeah, I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I've got a lot of work on hand now. My boss is very demanding. My marriage is stressful. When I fly in a plane, you're on a longer flight. People are starting to feel a bit more anxious. Now let's feed them. So food producing that sophorific Food feeling. as a pacifier. Pacifier, a good word as well. Like giving the bottle to the baby. So, moral gratification, emotional gratification. We program the client to help them be calm, relaxed, confident, dealing with emotion more effectively, their anxiety, their sadness issues, depression, so on. That may take us into a bit more therapy on that area, separate from just programming instructions for losing weight. But we can start with good programming. Good programming will work on all the motivation. You want to look good, feel good, be healthy, have stamina and fitness, live longer and healthier to achieve the goals. You'll have emotional satisfaction in many levels from being in control of your eating. We won't feel so self-critical about how we look. We won't feel so weak, so much like a victim with that use of food. Now, people can get all very politically you know, into their own theories about food and how, you know, what weight loss is like and the pressure on young girls to look a certain way. And while undoubtedly there's truth in this, how does that help the client? That's the problem. How do you turn that into them taking responsibility, empowerment and control, despite the pressures, rather than just telling them they're essentially they're largely victims, when no. really they're not. Human beings are very strong. I mean, we might be victimized, but we don't have to accept the victim role. When you talk about the pressures, what I often hear from clients is the social pressure that when people meet in groups, there's a certain pressure to eat. Yes. And if it's even family meetings, 
then the pressure to eat is even greater than when they meet with their friends. To go out and celebrate with a meal, even eating yeah. a lot more than we need because people are encouraging each other in that way to eat more. Yeah, and then standing up against this group pressure. Of course. And saying, no, I'm not going to have the double, uh, the three Helping liter. Helping a cake at the end of the meal, even when the yeah. meal was excessive. Absolutely. Well, there is that element. So we are there to help people, not just talk to them or just talk politics or theories about politics. So we're there to help empower the client. Let's make that word real. Let's really give them power. They have to learn their self-hypnosis. They've got this great programming recording from you, as they would with the smoker, to help reinforce those strong, good feelings they have in themselves. And that they're stronger than those cravings and temptations, the dependency, the addiction, even if you want to call it, to certain foods. Now you need to look into those emotional factors that may be more deep-seated. Food is a reaction to psychosexual problems. Food, excessive food intake, put a lot of weight so that person doesn't feel they'll be the target of unwanted attention, unwanted sexual advances, or maybe curbing some of their own tendencies in that direction to be overly sexual or whatever way they may be uh, involving themselves in relationships in a very unhealthy way. And the food then becomes a way, a tool to control the weight, to control the way they're doing their relationships. Uh, so that can be complex. And it may go back even to childhood feelings of feeling weak, dependent, vulnerable. And that food and the, well, the extra food putting on the weight becomes a buffer against certain feelings in themselves and against certain kinds of relationships they get drawn to. And feeling a buffer against rejection. See, if I feel I'm being criticized or rejected by my partner or my boss, I, I run off and eat a lot of chocolate or cakes or other foods. Men do it, women do it. But we often have more female clients. And as a therapist, you learn a lot about uh, psychological issues, uh, particularly in the area of dependency and addiction, by getting involved and helping people control their weight. The deeper issues can be very heavy going and may need some ongoing therapy. They may need you to know a lot about analytical hypnotherapy, which we teach in our courses. Because as you know, Axel, we're into serious therapy training here, not giving students a few scripts and say, memorize these. No. Get people into a relaxed state. Call is... that hypnosis and then call that then that package hypnotherapy with a little bit of CBT or something else maybe. That is not comprehensive hypnotherapy service to the public. As you mentioned in our last mini-series on the stages of hypnotherapy, of the hypnotic procedure, you need tailor-made suggestions and not scripted suggestions. Very specific suggestions depending on what comes up in the interview and subsequently. And as with the smokers and other topics, also our weight clients, they have their very individual situation that needs Absolutely. The, that the suggestions exactly address their condition and not something else. No, you have it. You're dealing very precisely. It's a very precise art and science programming to go to where in their mind that issue is, what the exact script is as far as you can find, you know, what the chocolate does for me or the cake does for me, and what are the triggers for that. 
You know, it happens mostly when I'm feeling low, I'm feeling lack of motivation, my job is not fulfilling, I don't seem to have real purpose in life, I don't really seem to feel any powerful, positive direction and goals that are meaningful. And food is covering up that existential despair, that lack now, of meaning and, and purpose. And now you take away the food or change the way they eat, yes. and then you have to deal or help them being able to create a meaningful goal. Absolutely. Wow. Otherwise, they just find some other crutch. You know, you're replacing the food then back to tobacco or alcohol or other drugs. Some people feel very anxious when they don't have their comforting food. But as you know, we give suggestions to help with all aspects of what drives them, what their carrot and stick are. Yeah, here are all my reasons to give up smoking or control my eating. <clears throat> now we target those with suggestion. Now here are the things I want to avoid. We must address those as well. And we learn the proper use of aversive suggestions. So maybe give them suggestions that the taste of chocolate or foods doesn't have that huge attraction. It has instead a very unappealing or ordinary taste. And we can program the mind for that because very often people have come to associate a smell or a taste in the case of smoking when they didn't like the very first cigarette, but now it's come to be associated with emotional comforting, emotional support, the same way with foods. People say, I love that food, but they're often much of it is not just a temporary sugar hit, it's what it does for them emotionally. And we have to help break that, Axel. We must do that deep deconditioning and reconditioning the subconscious with our programming and if necessary with regression work uncovering the roots of it, where the sadness comes from maybe, and then helping them change that script in the subconscious. So they're not struggling forever trying to do it cognitively, giving some suggestions with CBT. That's all fine. It may not be nearly enough for those deep, serious, heavy cases where the eating is really a symptom of a very deep underlying emotional conflict that requires proper handling. And so it may be of the more general kind of anxiety and looking for security, but it can have also very deep uh, roots in powerful feelings of lack of self-love, of feeling vulnerable, feeling abandoned, rejected, or at least neglected in their earlier life. And so the emotions are there, and the food may be just one of the ways in which they struggle to cope with those feelings. So those are the more severe ones. And you know, not every case is going to be that severe, but we have to be able to deal with them. And if you haven't been trained to deal with that, you haven't been properly trained in hypnotherapy at all. You've just been given a few magic tricks, supposedly magic. You eat only once a day, you drop 20 kilos per week. Yeah, right. It's not that easy. As you very clearly put it, weight is a lot more complex than, for example, smoking. Absolutely, because it's associated with those early survival feelings, the feelings of self-worth, feeling loved, comforted, secure, and because obviously in a practical level, food is everywhere, practically. In the Western world, the temptation to eat is much greater. And if you take pathologically obese people there you have to deal with a box of the Pandora sometimes. You're correct. Absolutely. 
you strip away the layers of the onion, you find now you don't necessarily always have to go to the deepest levels of the problem in the psyche for the problem behavior to begin to ameliorate or even disappear completely. But many cases, you do have to go quite deep when you're dealing with the severe cases, that is. So we say behavior, at least I say, and Gilboyne, one of the great masters and geniuses of this work, said behavior is really the expression of energy. So that kind of behavior of that comfort eating, what energy does it represent? What emotional energies, first of all, and what's underlying that in those fixed ideas that I need this comforter. I can't live without it. I feel very stressed if I don't have it. So we're targeting that with our suggestions initially and then going into regression, finding out more if we need to. I often say the analogy is sometimes the suggestion is like a, a nail stuck in a piece of wood. When you drive in the new nail, those new suggestions on top of the old nail, those good, strong, big new nail can drive out sometimes an old false feeling and belief because it frankly, it doesn't have all of that power from being lodged in different layers of their psyche, of their self-worth, their lack of self-love and so on. And for that then, you need to be able to extract the nail, the bad nail, so to speak. You need to get out that fixed idea and make a change in it or Even remove it completely. That would be the ideal case, probably. Yes. But sometimes you can't remove it completely for whatever reason may arise. That's right. Not practical to take too long. Or maybe it doesn't need to be removed completely. It maybe it can be altered substantially and then the person is okay with that. Now, when we work with weight cases, we not always have those severe cases. A lot of times we have lighter cases in the truest sense of the word. Yes. And often simple, in inverted commas, programming can do a lot of good already. Can do a lot of good even if it wasn't completely, totally successful to get, it, to get every job, every part of the problem dealt with, but did enough for them to lose weight and maintain it at a pretty good level. Yeah, so you don't need always regression work. Absolutely. That's so true. What you said earlier in this episode is that we are not nutritionists. Yes. And we don't give nutritional advice. No, ethically or legally, that's inappropriate. Nevertheless, what I found with my weight clients is, well, how I do it is before they come to me, they have to do a eating diary for a week, for example, where they put in everything they eat. Yes. Also those things they don't want to write down. Yes. And they get, they have to fill out a questionnaire. Yes. And what I found is that so far, most in the high 90 percentage, most of my clients know exactly what their trouble points are. Yes. Eating too much starchy or too much sugar reproduct. Yeah. Not being able to say no to sodas, for example. Yes and eating in between the larger meals. Oh, yeah. So this is basically what I target first. Mm -hmm. Then I help them mm. develop their own nutrition according to what they yeah. think is good. And as a, as a rule of thumb, I found that most of my clients are very happy with no longer eating 
processed foods or convenient foods, but cooking for themselves, choosing the better products and leaving out bread, leaving out cakes, leaving out sweets, etc. A lot of good choices and behavior change, that was the saying yeah. earlier. That puts them in control. It's about, therapy is about learning to take control and the power and the responsibility for your actions, your thoughts, your feelings, in a way you weren't able to do before. And so it's very educational and empowering. And the therapy that we do, I believe in it, and the therapy gets that done most effectively. They're not in therapy talking for years about the problem and maybe just only reinforcing it in some cases with very little change. You said earlier, people being aware of what they're doing. Well, we know many, many people underestimate how much they eat, or let's say underreport by 50%. Yeah, that is one of the points that many report. I wasn't aware how much I'm eating. That's right. I wasn't aware when I'm eating. That's right, yep. yeah. And already this diary helps them to change their behavior. Yeah, yep. They deliberately, at a subconscious level at least, perhaps even someone's at a conscious level, make themselves unaware how much they're eating, when they're eating even. They're in denial. So we're teaching people to take control. When you're shopping, these are the kind of healthy foods and choices you're making. Healthy amounts of food then you cook, you put out in your plate, and you're... We're programming them for full satisfaction, eating slowly, chewing more thoroughly to get the maximum benefit. Now feeling the satiating point. Absolutely, giving yourself time to satisfy yourself with the foods and for the hormones from the food to reach your brain to tell you you've eaten enough and so on. All of those good healthy behaviors, healthy exercising, healthy amounts and types of exercising for your body's needs. So it's all part of choosing health, life, taking control and being empowered. What a good therapist does, doesn't sell you some rubbish about a magic wand that something happens to you, that magically the weight falls off you. You know, if you want to have that, you go, well, there isn't one of that, but that would be liposuction would be the closest. Or you have bariatric surgery to stop you being eating. We don't stop people, we empower them to stop themselves, if you wish, to help themselves actually make much better choices, new behaviors from the new ideas at a deep level in the mind. Now, one method that is mentioned regularly together with weight loss is, for example, the gastric band. Sure. What would you, uh, would that be a good idea to do or is it uh, less helpful when you want to empower your clients? Well, actually, having a real gastric band, because there is a virtual gastric band. Oh, I meant the virtual gastric band. Oh, well, for a long time, there have been different visualization or imagination-based approaches for the stomach to imagine it's shrinking smaller, that a smaller amount of food makes it feel full. And throughout the history of hypnotherapy, that has been used quite effectively, although it's less common. The craze for the virtual gastric band that happened about, well, now it must be about, what, 12, 15 or more years ago. It wasn't wrong. It was, it, that helped some people. Some people oversold it, did very poor versions of it often. But there are ways to use props, physical things as well, to stimulate the imagination. So what? Some people did one version, other people did another version of it. Some people set it up like a 
a real clinical clinic situation where you were being, your bloods were taken, you were looking at your weight, measuring it scientifically, the kinds of fat you had and so on, and then you were put through a mock surgery, like a imaginary surgery, but you were lying on a table, wheeled into a, um, you know, operating theater. Now, I don't think you need to go to that level. You can imagine as if your stomach has been made smaller, or that when you eat, it feels small, that you can actually feel it full much quicker. It's amazing how the body can be programmed to acquire new feelings, and we have then those new beliefs about the body. At least for the time being when they're getting this new pattern established, and after that, it's not so critical. Now remember, you make putting it on a recording for people, you're dealing with all of the motivating factors, pluses, so-called motivation to the new behavior, the goals, that visualizing of the healthy weight, size, shape that they're going to be, that's powerful, stimulates imagination. You're programming that in, programming it away from the destructivists they're engaged in. And they have, that has to be their choice. And we're, we'll be programming them that you're now free of harming your body with excessive food and that excessive eating seems so unpleasant to you, undesirable, even repulsive, as you now feel good without comfort eating, as you feel stronger, more positive in yourself, more enjoying in life, as you give healthy pleasures, rewards and treats. In a sense, what we're saying is rather than this excessive, unhealthy eating, you're living a healthier, much more dynamic, fulfilling life. And with all of that self-love and self-belief that the clients often need to learn so that they can nurture and look after their health, maintaining it and improving it, they're no longer on that self-destructive, addictive path of destroying their health through drugs, comfort eating, excessive alcohol, and so on and on and on. So we have a very comprehensive job, Axel, to do here when we're dealing with any addictive behavior, really. Comprehensive meaning if a lighter level of trance and programming, uh, if very simple suggestions, well, never simplistic, not the garbage often that's out on the internet, there's some good stuff, but much garbage. They're tailored to the client. All right, that does the job, that simpler approach. We'll also go deeper where we need to, but deeper into the problems and then as deep as necessary when you have the right full proper training, you're able to do that without detrimental effects on the client. Otherwise, you're opening up cans of worms inadvertently. You don't even know you're going to have that happen. That's what happens with the worst hypnotherapists. They sometimes have clients opening up deep issues. You're really a full-blown full abreaction, and they have no proper idea how to deal with it. Sometimes no idea at all that that was going to happen, believe it or not, in their training. In other cases, they're told, here's the three easy steps. Here's the magic little formula you do, and that is short-term or superficial. Long term, often those clients at least, they're back to where they were emotionally and then back more depressed and stressed now, having had those failures and back to worse comfort eating even. Which is definitely something we don't want to No, achieve. we should not be having as competent therapists and coaches. Therefore, thank you very much for your insight and your summary now at the end. We are coming to an end for this episode, John. What will be the next topic that we are addressing? Well, one of the ones that uh, is on our list is performance, looking at how to improve your performance in different areas of life. We're all performing, but 
Specifically, we have sports performance, academic performance. You might be a salesman, so it's a, you know, a work performance of various kinds. These are some of the common ones. Okay, so John, I would say, talk to you soon again about performance. Thank you so much and... Thank you, Axel, and thanks to the listeners. And to all of our listeners, we hope you have liked this episode. So please give us a like, a friendly comment, subscribe to our channels, and share this episode via email and on social media. And make sure to follow up with the next episodes. Please check out our homepages, you'll find them linked wherever you listen to or watch this episode. With that said, I'm Axel Hombach, online with Dr. John Butler. Have a great time, until next time.